Generations to Hunt podcast, where the goal is to learn together and further the culture of hunting. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Generations to Hunt podcast. I'm Matt with our co-host Joe. Um, today we have two brand new guests and a returning um, guest in Zach Rostar. And the new guests are Shannon Brackens and Spencer Brackens. All of them are from Public Land Prowlers, which uh, if you haven't heard, you need to go check them out up on uh, YouTube. Um, Joe, you, how's everything going for you? Everything's going real great. Um, doing a double header tonight, so I'm real excited about this. You know. There's no uh, bedtime for deer talk. <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, so uh, for Shannon Spencer, uh, pretty much just uh, kind of introduce yourself and uh, kind of tell us what your plans are for this year's deer season. Well, I'm Spencer Brackens. I'm 26 years old. Um, I started Public Land Prowlers literally as a dream. Um, I guided whitetails for four years professionally in southern Indiana for Triple O Outfitters. Um, after that, I went with Jim Ward's Whitetail Academy and uh, toured the entire Midwest. Um, we did Nebraska, Wisconsin, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, uh, Illinois, Iowa. I was all over the place. Ohio. I'll tell you what, there's nothing like Ohio hills. I mean, it's like hunting on Mars for me to hunt hills. So <laughs> yeah. when I was there, I was like, geez, oh, Pete, man, habitat work in the hills is unbelievable. It's straight up and straight down. And um, anyways, yeah, so obviously my dad's been a huge part of my hunting career and my grandpa also. I wish he was here, but um, my grandpa is the one that truly inspired me to get into the hunting industry because he was huge into Carbon Express arrows and he was their pro staff director. And I watched him come home every day with a trailer full of hunting gear and just got back from a road trip. And I'm like, man, he's living the dream. That's what I want to do. So I, uh, I kind of dipped my toes in a bunch of different aspects of the industry. And at the end of it, I was like, man, I abandoned my dad and my grandpa. Like, how can I incorporate all this back together? Now you have it publicly in Prowlers. So we're, uh, it's awesome, dude. Yeah, just three, yeah. three generations trying to uh, do something cool and bring some raw, real content, you know, that the everyday working class guy has to see. Right. And I'm Shannon Brackens, a.k.a. Pops. <laughs> <laughs> got to put that in there. <laughs> right. Uh, I've got close to 50 years experience, and mainly most of the time has been hunting private land. I just like to say, my first experience hunting private uh, public is when Spencer started this up. And I was one of those guys that always believed the only thing you're going to kill on state is little spikes and four points and everybody's out there just killing the deer. You know, you're not going to see anything. And plus your chances of getting shot were really good. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, but after doing all the research and talking with different people about it and going out doing the scouting and everything that's involved with it. And I, I've actually learned and see more bigger bucks, more mature bucks on uh, state than I do ever have on private. That's awesome. 100% me too. Yeah, I mean, and we kind of talked about that on the last one is uh, some of the negative aspects of the, uh, public land hunting, like what people view public land hunting is um, in mine was just like that, you know, hey, you know, I got this private land and I got 120, 130 inch bucks running around. 
why would I go over here when I'm going to run into 40 people? I'm only going to see spikes and stuff like that. But the more videos I watch, the more things I, uh, um, more people I talk to, the the wheels are spinning. I wouldn't say I'm quite ready to jump on that public land bandwagon, um, but that's why I bring in, we wanted to bring you guys on here, right? Because for us personally, we wanted to learn, you know, what it's like to hunt public land. Uh, what made you guys get into public hunting? Um, what different uh, strategies uh, you guys um, implore as far as getting on these deer and working around these people? So actually, me and my dad kind of came to this conclusion one year. We were like, I don't think we're getting to where they're betting. We're, we got all these giant bucks on camera. We, I mean, one year we had a 20 acre parcel right across the street from my dad's house. And we put out a mock scrape and we had two absolute Michigan giants. One we called wide load and the other one we called big daddy. And literally it was 150 inch, <laughs> 10 point, not even kidding you in Montrose, Michigan. And we had him on video. We didn't, not just a picture, but actual video he was part coming of the in camera. He was standing scrape. up in the scrape doing his thing. Like getting, getting after it, forehead gland, everything. And then two minutes later, another buck that was probably 130, 125 all day, right now, came right. right behind him and hit the same scrape. And we're like, oh my God, we got to hunt over there this year. Well, that year I ended up going across the street and I hunted uh, the, our spot that we had picked that was in that deer's neighborhood. And it was just on an acorn flat where we thought a good pinch would come together for some habitat changes. And I passed like a 90 inch deer. Mind you, that was a bigger deer than I'd ever killed at that point. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. I text my dad. I'm like, I just passed that deer. And we call, I think we called that deer like tall boy or something because he was young, really tall, and he just had great potential. But he was a two-and-a-half-year-old. And at that point, we were still doing QDMA really hard because we were hunting private property, and we could kind of control it to somewhat of a standard. Well, we hunted that year, and we never put eyes on those deer ever, not one time. Well, the next year, he put some cameras out. And this is when I started kind of shifting off my own way, hunting into some public a little bit and just kind of wandering. And he got that wide load buck on camera again, up by the bean field up front by oh, the yeah. food plot. On another scrape. Yeah, on a different part of the property. And he's like, I'm gonna try it again. Well, we hunted him again that year and they never showed up. So we were like, what is going on? Why can we not get these deer in view? I mean, one, we got a small farm, but two, I don't think we're anywhere close to where they're bedding. So we started scouting the neighboring property with permission. We went over to Steve and asked him if we could walk just to check it out. And that was when we started discovering all the sign was in the swamps. And that was what really got the gears spinning was like, all right, we walked over in that beaver dam area over in that creek bottom. And that was where we started. We were like, this is where they're living. And right. I think that really got our gears spinning. Like, and we're not close enough to where they're betting. <laughs> right. And right. the whole thing, plus talking with some other hunters about the that's sometimes having the small private land, is that you can only have so much land to hunt. If that buck is in a different spot and you're hunting that small piece of property, and like Spencer was saying, his bedding area is farther away on a different property, you can't hunt that other property. Where on state land, if that buck is farther down, you can play chess with him and keep moving, trying to uh, make your move. Exactly. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah, I run into that regularly um, on private land uh, as far as watching the deer go out to the neighbor's field and can never go over there. So, yeah, I definitely have felt that frustration a lot uh, over the years. So. Yeah, that, I mean, and then our first year, 
we just started employing, like, we watched a ton of Dan Infault videos. I mean, I can't even tell you how many hours we have watching Dan Infault. I don't know if you guys have watched a lot of them. I'm sure you have. But, oh, yeah. Um, he's got tons of content. He's got tons of big deer. And, um, and great knowledge and great it, oh, yeah. The dude's just smart. I mean, he's weirdly smart with deer. And it's funny because you think about all your big buck killers, right? And they're all different dudes. Like, they're not like your everyday guys that you just yeah. see out and about. They just all have a little weird tick, and it's that killer tick is what it is. <laughs> I call it. Good way of putting it, yeah. It's a killer tick. Like, all your guys that kill them big bucks, they're just a little bit different. And they all implore different strategies, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there's not just one one cure-all, I guess, that's going to get you these giant deer. Correct. Like, I personally don't like hunting single beds. And yeah, we talked about that yes. uh, with Brand Brandon uh, from, with you guys. He also is not a big fan of the single bed. I don't think any one of us is because me and him, like I told you guys, that first year we got into doing public was we – watched all Dan's videos and it's like single bed, single bed, single bed, single bed. All his tactics are J hooks into beds and all this yeah. other stuff. And we tried it. We found some absolute dynamite beds. Right. And the thing I want to say that very first year that we did that is we learned from watching more of his videos the next year, we were trying to hunt the single beds and everything towards more towards the rut where they suggest if you're hunting the single beds, more your best success is going to be early. Yeah. Then come the rut, then you want to hunt the doe bedding. Yeah, before those deer start bumping around. Yeah, and that around. was a learning curve, you know. That's right, that, that was our down. very first year, and that's the only thing I wanted to add on to that. We did do that, but we learned later on that we were doing it too late. We needed yeah. to be hunting those beds earlier in the year. For, right yeah. off the jump, get into your best spots <clears throat> early and get in there and be aggressive. Don't back off. Like You hear a lot of people talking about observation sits and stuff like that. Well, a lot of times their observation sits are happening before season, Yeah. like right now. They're right. trying to figure out what food source their buck's going to 10, 10 days before season. And they got a really good idea on where they can cut that deer off. Because at the end of the day, whether you're bed hunting, whether you're not, your ultimate goal is to cut that deer off from bed to food. You're trying to get between that. Well, and that's kind of like you and Gary were talking about your buddy from Wisconsin. Uh, he shot a good one tonight. Yeah, Gary Gruno from the hunting beast. But shot a, most of your sets that you kill your deer on, and they were talking about, is your very first set. I yeah, mean, like out of your, uh, let's ask this group, let's just get a percentage here. Out of all your, let's say your top three biggest bucks you've shot, how many of those was first sit hunts? All of them. <laughs> all of them? That, it's hard so, to multiple hunt. I, I would say yeah. the first hanging, it wasn't a hanging hunt, but it was a preset stand. But yeah, I would Still say first hunt. I, yeah, first hunt off that stand. Because it was mostly, I was playing the wind smarter than I was. But yes, yes, it's more. It's that virgin sit. Yeah. It's you. Right, because you haven't been in there. You haven't mucked it up. You haven't educated anything. You know, you're slipping in. It's a virgin sit, you know? Yep. Yep. Exactly. They haven't had time to pattern you yet. Right. Yeah, because let's be honest. You're patterning us way quicker than we pattern them. <laughs> because that's, <laughs> yeah. they do it year round. And we're going into their bedroom. Right. That's right. what you got to think about is like, if, I, an, if another dude walked into your house and knew exactly where your guns were, there's a problem, right? Like, right. <laughs> and that's what I always said to people, too, like when uh, baiting was allowed in Michigan. Like, that that deer lives there year-round. I mean, would you notice if somebody put a giant pile of hun buns in your living room? Heck yeah, because <laughs> they've been gone. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, that's how you get the buns on the bait pile. But, yeah, I mean, all of a sudden they're walking and then there's a giant, like, 
sugar beets like in they know that's not it's natural. Yeah, an unnatural occurring event. Yeah, yeah so yeah. yeah i definitely understand what you're saying about i that. do know guys that shot a lot of big bucks now with a bait pile but hunting downwind of it because of the does in the rut and catching the Passing bucks, by, the bucks trying to circle downwind and right, get the, yeah. the scent from yeah, the bait that, uh growing up i hunted on bait i never thought of that i mean i was younger but i just it's sat down yeah you hunted the bait yeah i don't know why i haven't seen any deer this week i mean my wind's blowing right back into the bedding but i have corn right here there's they yeah. should be right here yeah right, right yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a, actually a huge thing that i learned from my dad uh my dad always hunted bait you know when it was legal and uh he would kill deer, but it was when the wind was blowing, you know, where he was on the downwind side and he had to shoot off of his not bait pile side at right. the deer, you know. Because they were circling it. Absolutely. Yeah. They were winning, you know, what was potentially on the bait pile or whatever, you know. Yeah. So that's a huge thing. And that's kind of what began me gearing towards hunting trails and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, the bait van forced me to do it. I, I, I'll be honest. I don't know if I would have the same amount of success today if I if they didn't get rid of that, um, because ultimately that was what I grew up on. That's what I knew. Yeah. <clears throat> and it was, I would say, semi successful. I wouldn't say it was great. But, uh, you know, I was shooting deer. I was seeing deer. So I was happy. Same. Um, you know, now they, they banned it and all of a sudden I wasn't seeing deer anymore. And I was like, well, I need to figure out how to find these deer. And that's where I started to um, invest more time reading um, stories, watching YouTube videos, and just right. talking well, to other people. You're still hunting food sources. It's just not food sources that you've put out there. Yeah. A new one that I learned about this year that's been dynamite for our Indiana camera is jewel weed. I don't know if you guys have read much about yeah, it. Yeah, it's an orange flowering weed. It's and actually, unbelievable. little fun fact, it's, it treats uh, poison ivy. Does it really? Yeah. You take jewel weed and you uh, kind of like shred it up, put it in a bottle of water, you know, we don't have bottles of water, but uh, you put it in a bottle of water and shake it up and put it on that jewel weed. And it, I don't know what it does to the acid that's in the. It, it like weird, sucks the oil out or something. Yeah, it's, you know, kind of like a potato. I don't know. That's crazy. It's, I need to, yeah. I get, I'm, I'm, I'm not allergic. It's so. the weirdest fact. Oh, I can, can roll in it. Yeah. I had it one same, time two same. years ago and no, no thanks. <laughs> no thanks. It's, right. it's. Um, un, Daryl gets it every year, like three times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, besides being short, he's got really bad luck with poison ivy. I don't know how he gets his arms around the tree to even get to the ivy. <laughs> yeah, him and Brandon are in the same boat. But yeah. Short legs, short arms. Yeah. Right? But anyways, back on point, you know, uh, the jewel weed that just you get you got to find a lot of uh, like natural brows, right? Exactly. Like everybody knows acorns. Yeah, everybody, yeah. you know, Easy I don't know if everybody, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if everybody knows like the, uh, the red maple leaves, when red maple leaves first begin falling off, so like early season or so, like your first cup of cold, cold fronts that blow through, maple leaves start dropping and they go red. I've seen deer eating the red maple leaves. Do you know why? The sugar content. Yeah, the sugar content goes yeah, through the roof. Right. They love it. Like you, you'd think somebody drug a deer out of a woods and it's really just ear deer smashing maple leaves right. because it's yeah. like maple syrup. Yeah, they look like turkey's been through, digging it up, yeah, finding right. them and yeah. eating them and stuff. But anyways, uh, as far as food sources go, natural browse. 100%. Right? Because uh, a food source don't have to be beans or corn. A or, buck in his core area, could his food source could be 
wildflowers right in this bedding area. I've yeah. seen a lot of big bucks eat wildflowers. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, when the bucks get up in the midday or whatever, stretch their legs. What are they doing? They're stretching legs, and they're just chewing on some stuff around them. Yeah. You know, browsing on some whatever. Some yum-yums. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember one time Snack. we were talking to Dan about that. Some bucks that live way back in and doesn't have any kind of food source, acorns or crops around them. They got out browse. They eat all that They'll browse in the small. there. Yeah. Right. Like that... Uh, that nine point that Brian, uh, Brandon, I was calling Brian, Brandon <laughs> shot last year. Uh, those deer stood up an hour before dark, maybe an hour and a half before dark, and they just stood there for a solid 25 minutes, literally just browsing on the stuff. They just stood up, and then they were just like mouthing and, you know, plucking stuff off the little shrubs and stuff around them. <laughs> that was the first time I've ever actually – Witness, like you'll see deer, you know, moseying through the woods, right. picking some stuff up or whatever. But the deer just stood still, didn't. I they mean, don't move his, far. Yeah, they didn't no. move his feet. He didn't move his feet. I mean, he didn't move within, you know, 10 feet of his bed, and he just stood there. And I remember, like, zooming in with the camera. I'm like, oh, my God, I hope they get start moving, you know, before it gets dark, <laughs> you know. The thing about that is, is that people don't realize that that's a bucks, what do you want to call it, staging area. Yep. Exactly. Because a lot of people think a staging area is just just inside of a bean field or just inside of a cornfield where the deer are going to eat acorns. That's yeah, they got to get up and walk forty yards. That's not their, necessarily yeah. their staging area. Could their stage, it could be. Right, but then uh, but a lot of time, area. Yeah, a lot of right. times when you're hunting a buck in his bedding area, his staging area is twenty to thirty yards outside of his bed, and he's just what that deer did. Right. right, he leaves his rubs right there. That's where he is. Right. right. And the thing I want to comment on that is that video we watched by Dan is. Where his bed is, that's a staging area where you have one or two trails coming in or out of that bed. The farther you get away from that bed out by the field, you could have five, six, seven trails. Okay, you're going to hunt one of those trails. You think that's the staging area, but do you pick the right trail? Right. That day. Yeah. Where if you hunt closer to the bed, you're going to see him in daylight. Your chances go up. Yeah. Go up, and you're going to be closer to those trails. So you're going to he comes on one of those trails, your odds go way up. 100%. And that's where public definitely has a distinct advantage over private, right? So, I mean. Yeah, because, I mean, your chances of, unless you have 300 acres. Right, yeah. I mean, I'm hunting 23 acres and then 90 acres, but 20 of it's woods. Right. right? You know, so I'm not. And you could be lucky enough to have private land where the deer the big mature bucks bed there every year right i mean the chances or the odds of that your ability to make it happen are is a little bit better on public because you can move to them exactly yep i'm waiting you know i I, i'll show you some pictures later but i got big bucks at nighttime but i mean realistically i would say the chances of them rolling through during daylight, eh, you know, it's it's 50-50 right now. You might right. get lucky in the rut. Right. Exactly. But here's, here's another thing, too, though, is just to kind of chase that daylight darkness thing down. You got one camera in one area. That deer has to pass by that camera for it to go off, right? Mm-hmm. But there is a 150-yard circle around that. That deer could have walked all over inside of there in daylight and then just happened to pass by your camera. So to kind of prove that or to go on with it, that deer that Brandon shot, we had a picture of him at 4.35 a.m., right, which is like, oh, man. 
You he, see that on the camera, and you're like, <laughs> oh, man, I wish that, that was at 4.30 p.m. Right, you know, exactly. or whatever. Yeah, that's exactly. every um, picture I'm about to show you. <laughs> it, you're like, yeah, he beat but, me to the betting area. Yeah, but yeah. this is an encouraging side of that is that deer stood up out of his bed, like I said, you know, an hour, hour and a half, I don't know, whatever, before dark. And he came out. When I, I ranged that deer when he stood up, he's 120 yards away. So that deer closed, you know, 75 yards or more long before dark, you know. So when you're seeing pictures of deer and it's dark, that just means he happened to walk by your camera where your camera is. Yep. And it was dark outside. Yep. Right. To add on to that, I told Brandon this in our live Q&A the other day is like I've told a couple people about that deer from the hunting beast and you know them guys consistently knock down big deer every year yeah. michigan wisconsin they're good beast style hunters and i've told them the story about that deer about how you guys kicked him up just like the day before you killed him or two days before you killed him yeah and how many times you guys went in there and checked cameras and stuff and they're like that deer is of a different breed because a lot of times in their situations they're like like my buddy gary the other day when i was going in to move that camera over there He's like, do not go in there. Do not, don't do it. And I'm like, why? He's like, dude, he's like, all it takes is one sniff and that deer's gone. Like yeah. he, and he, he's very specific about not multi-hunting spots. Now hunting on this side of the bedding area and hunting on the other side of the bedding area is different, but he will not step foot back to back in the same spot for multiple weeks. Right, based right. on, Be because banking on the, the, the deer is going to smell him directly i mean yeah i understand and that. he said they just say they're always blown away and i think it's so funny because you like you talk that deer just seems like a different breed to me because he came so far out of his bedding area in daylight after all that pressure had been in there it's like well that is not what but, public land deer do normally but this is the thing though that deer wasn't in wide open field no no that deer wasn't in even semi-open really no when but, he was walking all we see was his neck and his head yeah you know and he just ha happened to come out where his vitals were open and we were able to make, you know, he was able to make the shot. Yep. You know, so it's, he felt comfortable inside. And that's that exactly area. what I said to Brandon. I said, every deer is different. 100%. Yeah. Because and every deer has its own personality because that deer let you guys hunt him multiple times. No, Go that was our first Well, one. I know, but I'm saying. We only jumped him. You went in and checked the once. cameras, what, a couple times in September, right? No, no. So we set it towards the end of September. Oh. Set the camera in at the end of September, like the last two weeks of September. We went and picked it up the day before October 1st. And Which is a ballsy move. Yeah. <laughs> like hey, any beast guy you tell that story to, they're like, no. Yeah, but, the, but there's more to the story, though. I mean, it was raining that night when right. we went in and checked it. Right. And yeah. also, it was like we had nothing to lose. I think it's awesome. I, I love yeah. that story because it, it literally proves the simple fact of every deer responds to pressure different. That right. deer was close to the road. He's used to hearing cars. He's used to human noises. He's used to He's all. He's used to people jumping. Exactly. Right. So that was like his lifestyle. Yeah. So that's why you got to learn to adapt. That's what I'm getting to is yeah. adapting to the deer you're hunting because for sure I feel like the nine point that I'm after, I feel like he's had a little human pressure because he's somewhat close to a farm crop field and he's probably used to the four wheeler and stuff like that. Right. But at the same time, I don't think he'll tolerate human scent right in his bedding room. Right. And the thing I want to comment on that is like you say about um, each deer acting have their own specific uh, way that they react to things. Yeah. Well, that's where like on different guys hunt different ways in different states and they'll say well 
oh, you got to hunt this way and stuff. And they go over to their area. Well, that didn't work for me here. Right. Like we went to Wisconsin and tried Wisconsin. Our, I have a lot of Wisconsin buddies because of the beast. That's where the right. beast is from, right? Hunting beast. And, and what works we went there area. and we're like, dude, this isn't working for us. <laughs> like we're Michigan boys. And, you know, I have guys tell me all the time, like, 110 inch deer like i'll send them a picture i'm jacked up about it i'm like yeah i got 110 inch <laughs> yeah. man. and they're like that's big like for michigan what? it is I'm like, yeah oh I, yeah i'll tell you what i put it this way this is a perfect example there's no disrespect to the hunting public or the hunting beast or anything i love them guys how many videos have you watched of the hunting public and they go to a state and whack one right Almost oh, yeah. every time. Almost oh, yeah. every time. They came to Michigan for 10 days and couldn't get it done. Got skunked out. Yeah, they, they shot could, one. They shot a doe and then... Uh, like a 70-inch like, eight-point. Yeah. If that. Oh, that was Joe. That, Je Joe Rentmeester yeah. killed that deer from the hunting beast for him. But the hunting public guys didn't kill anything. Yeah, I mean, they had a good encounter. They did. Um, they but, seen big deer, but that's yeah. Michigan. Is You'll just, see them, yeah. but <laughs> killing them. Yeah. Guess what? They hunted that deer, I think, for two or three days more after that. And they still couldn't get on them. So, I mean, how many times do you see Zach or Ted or them guys get on a deer and they don't end up killing it? Usually yeah, they outsmart it. Yeah. It's a different, I mean, just in my experience going to um, Ohio, it's just different. Like the deer I shot in Ohio let me get away with a lot more. I mean, there's no reason, A, he shouldn't have sky. I mean, he had 12 yards. He looked right up at me and then just, yeah, okay. And just turned and walked right away. And like, I had no back cover. I'm sitting in a giant bulky climber. And he just, he was like, okay, whatever. And turned broadside at 12 yards. And I think you can get away with that a lot more towards the rut. Yeah. On, on a buck. I when them bucks start but, acting stupid. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to have a really hard time year round on the does. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. The doe will ruin your day <laughs> real she quick. She blows, she goes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I can't tell you, I tell you how many times we get busted by like a mature doe. You, you, know, you, so. That's why I always say when, it, when so I'm trying to kill a big doe, man, it's like, you smart old woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't get by you, can I? And I don't, I don't know what it has been the last three years or two years, not three. Hopefully this is the third year, but I have not been winded by a deer in two years. And I don't know how or why, or maybe I just don't know it, that they are winding me. But I haven't been snorted at in two years. That's that's amazing. I don't know yeah. how. I mean, I literally, you watch any of my videos, I don't talk about blowing out deer. I don't talk about right. getting winded. You don't see me filming deer and them snorting at me or yeah. anything like but that. But I, I heard this somewhere, and maybe it was hunting public. But it was like... Just because you're not getting snorted at don't mean you're not blowing them. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why I just said that. I like said, I don't like know that. They don't let you know that. Yeah. No, and a big buck, if you ever pay attention, when if you bump a big buck out of his bed, he don't leave rampage. No. He just slips Straight. right out of there. I watched yeah. that happen today. So, and it wasn't, it was actually just a, a, I didn't actually see what it was, but me and a buddy, he was... He's trying to buy, uh, like, be a little bit more mobile and get a saddle instead of moving stands constantly. So we went out there and just kind of looked at areas maybe to set up. And on two different occasions, we didn't watch deer just blow out of the area. They just were meandering. Like, clearly they knew we were there, but they weren't really, they were trying to sneak out. You right, know? and a big buck don't want to blow his location. That's why he's not going right. to leave all rampaging. He's just going to kind of slip on out. And right. A lot of things with, like, even with bucks. Uh, that I see more with bucks than I do does is they'll run so far, stop and look at you. Yep. Oh, I mean, yeah. Does will do it, but they're usually the ones that usually just bust out of there and go. Yeah. Yeah, that's why in gun season, you know, jumping a deer isn't, isn't the worst thing because they'll go about 80 yards and stop and look back. And yeah, I'm just barreling up. You better turn around and look at me. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I don't ever really. I can't tell you how many times I've taken a gun to the woods in the last three years. I don't. Yeah, I, I could have shot at like same. a one ten or one fifteen yeah. two years ago, uh, hunting like thirty yards from the road. I was hunting this pine section with this alfalfa field, and the deer were hammering the alfalfas, bedding in the pines, and I was literally twenty or thirty yards from the road, and uh, I, I had a. I was hunting some really thick honeysuckle because it was just good security cover. And you hear John Eberhardt talk about security cover a lot. Big buck don't want to wander through park setting woods. You know, he, if he's going to be in the timber, it's going to be thick timber. Right. And that's exactly what this was. It was so thick that, I mean, I was on my hands and knees crawling in, in the snow, just using the tunnels to get to where I wanted to get to. And then I went up and it's all honeysuckle underneath me. I mean, you better pick a hole the size of a softball to send an arrow through. Yeah. I mean, it is bad. And if I had a gun, I could have killed this deer, but um he just didn't give me a window closest he got was 40 yards i mean i'll shoot you at 40 yards if you give me a shot i was full draw i'm following him i'm like just come right there right there yeah that way come on (laughs) but no he just stayed like big bucks do they just have that sixth sense yeah joe never takes a gun out i gave him a bunch of crap last year like man just because he had so many encounters with nice bucks at 60 70 yards it's just not a thrill for me well yeah i was just chasing a different high and then uh like I remember one time, like, it was, like, two years ago or three years ago, I smoked a doe, and I was, like, talking on the phone with my buddy. I was, like, yeah, yeah, I just smoked a doe and all that. And then another doe came out. I'm, like, all right, hold on. And then shot that gun. I was, like, all right, I just smoked another doe. I'm, like, <laughs> and then I was, like, like quartering up. The, I'm, like, man, this really – I mean, don't get me wrong. I love hunting and all that. Right. And I was just, like, man, this is kind of not – getting the thrilling for me I, yeah the heart wasn't racing that second no, time so yeah it's it's totally a different feel but i just don't i mean i'm not a, like a big gun guy and i love guns obviously right, like, I'm, yeah. I, I'm i'm not opposed to them at all i just don't genuinely like you I'm not like let's go shoot our guns today. Like that's no. not what I like to do. Well, what's the price of ammo now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they just sit right there. I'm go. Oh yeah, we, no. Yeah, like I'm like let's get together and shoot the bows. You know. Yeah, I, I, don't, sure. I, I don't. I have an AR. I have I have plenty of guns. I just don't genuinely enjoy them, especially hunting. Like it's point and shoot, bang, you're dead. I know, and it's just like like you were saying, like it's a, such a chess match. It gets so much more gratifying. But like I got on yeah. this buck. And I, I, I won. I won. Exactly. Right. I love is, it. This is not in any way discounting anybody out there. No. Hunting. No. No. Right. This is just, just our, our personal thrill. Yeah. Right. Why and we prefer to hunt with a bow because it's so much more personal and so much more re- rewarding. Challenge. Right. You know, it's like it is so intense and yeah. you have to be, you have to have so much self control. And if you're young and, and able to, I strung and you're shooting a crossbow. I don't. I'm not gonna not crossbow guys at all. Oh, but sure. like, if you have the opportunity to try shooting a compound bow at a deer and you're you're perfectly capable of it, and you chose a crossbow just because it's yeah, have an the confidence kill, to try it. Exactly, have the confidence to try it and give it a shot because yeah. shooting a deer with a crossbow versus a compound bow is like the difference between a bow to a, a compound or a right. crossbow all, to a compound. And all it takes is like dedication and practice yeah, yeah. just you know? be more the most ethical you can be because you know a lot of people like without experience shooting a bow just grab a bow and go out there no yeah, exactly that's, that's what i'm saying it's Shoot. not gonna happen you're gonna wound yeah it's gonna be time and confidence it's not gonna be fun it's gonna no. be like zach shooting his brand new barn wall i mean uh, <laughs> damn boom <laughs> roasted <laughs> um uh, so 
As far as uh, filming, what do you guys think is the most challenging part about filming your guys' hunts, whether it be solo or duo with a cameraman? Before you answer that, how many deer have been saved because of that that camera? <laughs> oh, I just, uh, just want to say this. At one point last year, we got some uh, other fans and people that we know personally, and we'd post, yeah, we went out tonight, just didn't give us a shot, had him in frame, but we... Uh, something was in, like a branch was in the way or something, something would come up and one of the fans says, you just need to put that damn camera down. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not, you know, as much as I would love to as a, as a killer, I can't, right? Like, who wants to hear the story? Yeah, everybody wants to hear the story. When you can see it. But yeah. you know how much better it's going to be? Like, for me, that's not a complete hunt. No, because I'm gonna regret it. I'm gonna right. have like buyer's regret the right. next day. Like, and the man, I, I didn't get that on film. I wish I'd have got that on film. I uh, wish I'm gonna say it for the next 30 days. I wish I'd have got that on yeah. film. And the thing that made it so much sweeter is, like I say, we were on him and on him all season into the rut here in Michigan, and we went under that hunt in Indiana. And when we finally did get it on film, it just made everything so much more sweeter. It made this whole situation. Everybody was like messaging Spencer and the page and everything. Yeah, when are we going to get to see it? When are we going to get to see it? Right. And then for you guys and for anybody else who films, it is such a joy to be able to go back and, and watch. rewatch it. Oh, and, I see. Be, and then also you can learn from it, right? Like, exactly. oh, I did this a little. And that's where I was going to get into the most challenging part for me is being satisfied with what I put down. Um, I try to teach all these guys how to be just a little bit better with it because I've been doing it longer than everybody. Right. But I mean, I filmed for some TV shows. I filmed for Hunting in the Sticks. I filmed for um, Rod Notestein, the owner of Sword Sights and Tree Limb Quivers. Um, I filmed a little bit for him. I mean, I've filmed with professional setups. I filmed for Blaine Anthony's Next Generation. And so I learned a lot of cool stuff, but some of these older cats don't necessarily have the, the <laughs> eye, right? Like, they don't have the eye that us younger guys do. And even Zach's like an old soul, like, trying to teach him how to shoot something. Like, <laughs> Just give me a stick and a bow, dude. Yeah. So, and that's the hardest part for me is, like, I'll get pissed at myself if I bump the camera arm while I'm on frame with a deer and it bounces a little bit. I'm like, oh, you just messed up, dude. Now you're going to cut that out. And I literally just had this conversation with him and my grandpa last night. It was like, I'm very excited for this year. We have the best crew that I could ask for as a group of dudes to do this with. But, like, we're all on very good deer. That's, but to tie it all together, I just pray to God that everybody can make the film the best that they yes. can. Because... At the end of the day, that's what's going to make it or break it for us is how good our film quality is. Yeah. Like we can shoot big deer and post pictures, but if it's shit footage to watch, nobody cares. Like it's hard yeah. to watch. You it's know, hard to watch. Cam Cam Haynes says uh, hard work. Uh, no one really pays attention to it. You know. Oh man, it's, it's only the outcome that people pay. Attention yeah. To. yeah, yeah. But I mean, like you saying that, so you do have that pressure. You know, since you have a brand and all that too. You know, so. How does that like affect you? You know, like, do you want like quality deer, or do you would you rather have more if you can get a decent deer on footage? So I think God, that's a tough this one. guy knows more than anybody my struggles of the press putting the pressure on my own shoulders of getting it done and getting it done on film and just getting on deer in general. Like, I beat the piss out of myself during hunting season. Like, at, I mean, he'll answer, how hard did I hunt in Indiana for four days? Oh, this guy, he 
I'll say on this, I probably walked five miles the whole trip. He probably did 15. Like, <laughs> I, I hunted and hunted and hunted, and I didn't eat lunch. I mean, some days, oh, and, I, the, and, and I was like, you guys can just pick me up at the road here. Like, oh, and, I, I'll be here at, like, 1, and I'll come in and get a, a fresh and, go, and then I'm going back out. But I scouted and scouted and scouted. I went in, hunted. If I didn't see what I wanted to see, I'd get down. And I'd scout some more, and I'd walk, and I'd walk, and I'd walk, and I was deep. That's a what I was just getting ready to say. He was probably twice as deep as us on every hunt. So, yeah. so if you had to choose, what, what to get to the answer, it's honestly. I'm interested. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon, Brandon would laugh his ass off right now if he was sitting here right now because he'd tell me that's what my whole hunting career is. And I hope you're watching right now because I know you would say. That's your whole hunting style is on the line, on the line, because I remember that. That, that is my hunting style is like, I just want a happy medium, right? Like, I don't care if I shoot a 90 inch buck. If it's great footage, I'm tickled to death. 100%, dude. I, and yeah. I don't, I, I don't want to, I would rather kill a 90 inch buck and have good footage than shoot a 130 and have shit footage. I'm so happy you said that. Like, because I feel the same way. Yeah. Like, I, it's, I want people to be able to watch that and be like, I thoroughly enjoyed watching that. Not not just because it's me and I don't want that gratification of, yeah, you watched me kill a deer. Like, it's not even about that for me. It's like, I just want to create real raw content that is genuinely enjoyable to And people. that all of the population that hunts can relate to. Exactly. Like Not everybody can relate to killing a 160-inch deer. Right. I literally am not in my farm. work clothes full of silicone, <laughs> just got done moving into my house like all my clothes, you want me to be honest, all my clothes are sitting in a pile in my bedroom still right now because I just moved everything in today after work. And then I get there and my grandpa blew his brake lines out on his truck. So then I had to leave from doing that to go get my grandpa to take him home from the mechanic shop. And then after I leave here, guess what I got to go do? Take my dad back to my grandpa's to get his truck because that's where he originally started. So this is like somewhere in the middle. Like I found time to do it and it's been a hell of a day because I just got done working. Right. So. And just because it's hunting season doesn't mean all this other bull crap is not. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> the wheels say, you spinning. got what? Seven days or so to season? Yeah, I got seven days to season. Guess what? Yeah. Better get those brake lines squared away, boy. I got a new cam that has to go on my bow still because I put a chip in it last year on a rock and I've been so busy all year that I just I was gonna literally this is the story I was gonna take my bow to Nathan at Whispering Pines and have him put the new cam and new string on yeah. but guess who needed a bow Brandon needed a bow and he's like I think I can shoot your bow I said I think you can too so he shot it here for a couple of times we literally just happened to be here at the same time right. and I'm like shoot it a couple of times so he shot it I just micro adjust my sight. He's like, how'd you do that? I'm like, it's a micro adjust sight, Brandon. He's like, I've never seen that. He's like, how'd you do that? So I cranked it, laughed a couple clicks and boom, he's hitting the bow's eye perfect. That's Welcome to the I was like, that's money, dude. <laughs> that's money, dude. Put it on a cracker, dude. <laughs> no, but he, uh, he ended up taking my bow hunting for the weekend for the early dough, so I still haven't had time to go do that because I let him have my bow for the weekend. Right. So now I got to find time to do that. You're just going to have to buy two bows so you have a backup bow, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got that taken care of. Yeah, Brandon Expedition just day. sent Brandon his bow. So oh, He just got nice. his bow yesterday. That's awesome. So he's like, dude, this is such a big relief off my shoulder. Oh, it was. He was stressed. You could oh, yeah. Well, we got a bow season, and you still have a bow? Yeah, I'd be a little nervous. Yeah. yeah. And that's where I was at last year. I Because had, had, I've had shoulder surgeries the last few years on my shoulders. I've got really bad shoulders, and 
I ordered my string in, in middle of August. I didn't get it till like uh, the 20th of September. Oh, <laughs> and I didn't want to set my other string and everything up to when I get the new string to have yeah. to, oh, I got to redo it again. You oh, know why? yeah. Because he used to make fun of me for wanting to match. But let's be honest, who wanted to match last year? He's like, I'm not putting my different string on again. I was like, at least put it on and get used to your bow. You've never even shot this bow. Right. He's like, nope, I'm not doing it till my new string gets here. <laughs> well, he put the whacking on him last year. Every deer he shot, he pinwheeled. So yeah. he must have been yeah. doing something right. Yeah. So, oh, uh, hey, oh. Pops is a dead shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so on to as far as the, the content you guys are creating, raw, real. So you and your dad have a video um, yes. that is honestly one of, if not the best hunting videos I've ever seen. It's edited great. The content is great. The emotion is um, absolutely phenomenal. And as a father-son duo, it's really it's an absolute dream dream scenario. Yes. So um, let's just talk about what that whole hunt is. What you know, how you how it went down and then just your emotions and everything after that. So to be honest, I'm thoroughly shocked and surprised and that's how tough of a dog the hunting industry is that that video hasn't went viral like i don't know how it hasn't went completely viral because even though i created it even though i was a part of it like if that was anybody else i could not share it like five times a oh, day because it's literally a dream come true right like i don't even know how that came about because me, grace of God, man. Yeah, it was the grace of <laughs> grace God, 100%. Of God. But the, the thing was, is like, I was hunting, we just talked about this. I was hunting my tail off day in and day out. Oh, I remember exactly how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was hunting in a totally different area than him and a buddy of ours. And I had two young ones come underneath of me, and they got my ground scent and took off right, even before daylight. And so I knew I wasn't going to hunt there after that hunt. So I tore down and talked to him a little, uh, about an hour or so, a couple hours when I was ready to get down and stuff like that. He got down, he says he's going scouting. And I, when I talked to him, he says, well, you can hunt there or uh, you can come over here where he uh, scouted and jumped a couple of nice bucks with a doe. Yeah, I said, I, I just found some absolute fire sign and I kicked two shooters up with a doe better right, here. Right, so you knew there was a good doe. Well, the doe. thing was, is I knew the hot doe was there, but not only that, I knew that she was laying there so I knew that her scent was like, yeah. it was going to be like a scent yeah. swirl. And it, pro it proved, proved positive that <laughs> night because he said, you can stay where you're at, come hunt with me. I told him I already tore my set down. And I so, thought he, because we had talked before you went in, you were supposed to leave it and hunt right. that because it was a food source. Right. So he took me to the spot where he found the a rub snapped in half and where the does and the buck were bedded were probably 35, 40 yards. And this rub was annihilated. I'm talking, it wasn't very big. Like it was the size of a baseball bat or so which is a solid rub, but he literally raked that thing up and down until, until it snapped. And then he took the top and launched it like from here to that wall. And I looked over and I was like, what? Oh, <laughs> you were getting it in, dog. <laughs> yeah. So I showed him, I was like, here's that rub I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, he said, you can either sit here or scout your way forward a little bit more. There's an acorn ridge right there, right off the edge of a swamp. And I, by the rub and where the doe and the bucks were bedded, I just found a couple of nice maple trees and went up there 
had a hunter come by me and I'm just setting my stand and yo, yo, you know, <laughs> which was weird because there was no stands in this area. No. And that just goes to show you the mobile hunting game. Like, like he's sitting there and he's like, I just had a guy come by me and I'm thinking, oh man, our hunts busted. It's like our, one of our last evenings in Indiana. It's a double edged sword Yeah, because it's like, you're happy to see people hunting and right. seeing how you're happy to see the hunting community grow, but it's like, <sighs> not where I'm hunting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is where the hunt actually gets good. It's yeah, like, it is because um, spent. We were texting each other, and the weather it was extremely hot, like 74 degrees. Yeah, it was like November 7th or 8th. No, it was the 6th. The 6th, and it was 78 yeah. degrees or something. Woo. Last year was and, and so, hot. Exactly. So I'm I'm texting him and stuff, and I I see this picture on Facebook of a guy walking out to his blind with just a pair of shorts on. <laughs> <laughs> boxers and, and rubber boots. And Spencer says that that's about it. That sums it up. And about thirty minutes later, I'm sitting there and I kind of look over my shoulder like that, and I just see Rack walking at me. And that's like I'm oh, I get my camera on and everything. And this is the cool thing about filming that buck is as he's coming in, and you can see me and Zach. One of the things. I was saying, oh, Lord, please let me shoot this deer. You can hear him yeah. saying in the film. Oh, he literally, I mean, he didn't even realize the camera no, was rolling. Oh, I did, I did. <laughs> I was just, we've been so close all year round in Michigan. We've had him there and then him there and just wasn't able to seal the deal. Yeah. And as he's coming in, I'm saying, please let him keep coming this way, Lord. And one thing we and Zach could kind of laughing about and stuff you can see me as i'm holding my bow i'm sitting there trying to get my grip like yeah. 15 different ways he's sure like just right. let me get this lifeline locked in <laughs> here <laughs> that arrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like oh please lord yeah and he came in and uh he came i made a mock straight but as he's coming in i two different times he stuck his nose up in the air and sniffing but i think he was smelling where that doe was in the area yeah, right, which is exactly enough. the cards I played. Right, I'm like, this is a hot doe bedded here. I, you, need, somebody needs to hunt here tonight because right. this is like a and, big old. And that's kind of why where I set my I set my stand there. Well, it was close to where they were bedded, so if I closer in where that, that scent would be heavier in the area. Yeah. Yeah, and cool. in your mind though, you're like, oh, it's just enough to make me nervous as he catches my. Yeah, head. yeah, that, that, yeah that'll oh. fuck you up your butthole quick. Yeah, <laughs> you're sitting there, big I think, old I, butt I, I think I heard his butt slam shut before four hundred yards away. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on, Shannon. Oh, I just and like I say, he, he, he kind of keep angling in, and he just kind of cut in front of me, and I'd already had a uh, spot range where he crossed. It was like eighteen yards. And as soon as he got to the right where I had it, I'd full draw. I grunted. He's kind of stopped, and I hit him. I was aiming like a real tight to the shoulder, but shooting the heavy arrow, the heavy arrow build that we have with the cut on contact uh, broadhead, we're really not afraid to get into that shoulder a little bit because of the we call it the vital V because of the bone structure actually goes forward. And if you've ever processed your own deer and everything, it's just muscle and tissue in a rib cage. It's yeah. not hard bone like everybody thinks it is until you get more forward or down into the leg bone. Yeah. And I yeah. went right through it and into the, right through the heart. And you went out the other side. Yeah, my, yeah. my vein snapped off inside and I found the end of the arrow in the broadhead uh, laying on the ground about 10 yards from where he took off. And the thing about that was is he was texting us and he sent us the video clip and he is worked up son like he's like i don't know if it's a good shot da, 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 da. Well, spencer, well spencer says well i don't know it kind of looks a little low yeah. <laughs> i tell him don't be freaking me out yeah he literally did he's like don't be freaking me out i said no it looks like it should be in the vital v but it looks a little low and i'm thinking it looks like a heart shot and 
uh, I kind of send it in different, like right. I, anybody that's texting me knows I send them like five different messages at a time. I don't say it all in one spot. Yeah, it's not, it's <laughs> not a bang and then you respond. It's a bang, 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 and bang. I got that bang. from my brothers. It kind of sounds like the alarm clock. I got that from my brothers. They're gamers and they're like, enter, enter, enter. No, dude, it's that ADHD. It's like, I got something to say. I got something to say. I got more. But yeah, anyway, so he sent us the video and I'm like slow-moing it, you know, on the iPhones. You can do that. And I'm like, Oh man, it looks like it's good. And he's like, I could see. I, or you said something about like you thought you didn't. No, get, he said it looked like it sunk all the way into the fletching, and when you're like, spun, I thought I could see like my I, knot. Yeah, it looked like I could see that much of it sticking out. But as he spun and took that step, it actually went the rest of the way into the body cavity. Yeah, so it penetrated all the way, and you got. I mean, you what? You went all the way up past your veins, and your veins, I think, broke out the other shoulder. Yeah, when I when we finally uh, field dressed the deer, I found the last four inches of the ear with the veins inside the lungs and stuff. There you go. Nice. So he had a full, and that's through a three-and-a-half-year-old's shoulder. At, at, I mean, yeah. at 55 shoulder, pounds, right? 55 pounds, and that heavy arrow, most guys think, well, heavy arrow and light poundage, it's going to do you more harm. Well, that heavy arrow actually benefits the lighter poundage guys. Yeah, so... My dad's freaking out. I'm literally like, this is a famous saying around the public hand product group, but I'm literally like, I'm, Zach go. Montney texts us and he's like, let's go, right? And so, <laughs> like, he had been saying that all weekend, and I'm like, I don't know what. So I'm sitting there and I'm texting him, like, watching this video, and I hear a stick break in front of me. And it, the funny part was, is before that, I called my dad and I was like, do you want to get your deer, like, while it's daylight? If you're not sure about this hit 100%, like, let's get down and let's just find them. And my dad, but previous to that, the guy that walked past my dad walked past me. He did too. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, man. This is like, I'm like 450, 500 yards from you my guys dad. Like describing him to each other? Yeah, yeah I was he like, was. I, he did. I was like, did he have like a gray beanie on and a lone wolf? He's like, yeah, he did. It was an Amish dude. And uh, he walked right up to my tree. Like I heard, I heard something coming. I thought it was a deer. He was walking like a deer and I peeked around and he was like, I don't know, 17, 18 yards. And I'm like. And he like looks up at me, and, and he like throws his hands up in the air like he's mad because the second just seen him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. fucking he's, hunters everywhere. Yeah, and he's like, I am pissed, and I'm like, what do you want me to do, bro? Like I'm already up in my tree, pulling my bow up. Like I'm way earlier than you are, and so he ends up storming off, all mad, straight like not towards him and towards the road, a different road, and I'm like. Oh, man. So he walks over, and I'm watching him through my binoculars, and I'm like, he walks right through a little, like, slough. It's kind of a weird, like, hardwood slough. And he gets up there, and he falls to his knees, like, just in disappointment. He <laughs> <laughs> just walked eight miles. I wish I would have been filming it, right? Because this is a deep hunt. We were way back, and there's no parking lot. And I'm, I wish I would have been filming it because he's just walking, you know, like, at a mad walk now. Right. And he I, he gets to a base of a tree and, like, looks at his phone and just falls to his knees with his stand on his back. And he's, like, looking Wait, at his phone. This Amish person had a phone? Yeah, so they must have been mad. Man night. Yeah. Man <laughs> so I'm like, man, he's real. He's mad, right? So... You know what? Like, he would have been real mad when he pulled up in his horse and carriage and seen two fucking deer in your tailgate. Yeah, that's like, how they drive horses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a hybrid. It's a hybrid. He's got the horses in the back. For the pod yeah. podcast, folks. Yeah. <laughs> he grabbed onto a steering wheel like he's driving horses. So, well, I'm, I just want to say one I'm, thing real quick. Um, where he walked in uh, towards Spencer, that buck that I shot walked right across his scent path. So that's how you can say rutting bucks. 
will um, let you get away with a little he did. bit more. He walked. The, the he, guy went this way. The buck came and the this whole way. time his butthole was puckered because he's like, "Don't hit that guy's ground set. Don't <laughs> hit that guy's ground set." <laughs> right. So after that guy left, uh, he won over there, and I don't know. He was he was pretty upset, but then I seen him get up and walk away again, and I think he ended up setting up from me like about three or four hundred yards because I heard some like branches getting cut and stuff. Yeah. And I'm His like, legs just kept going I'm like, man, dude, this hunt <laughs> is going to be trash, right? But then he ends up shooting his buck, and I'm sitting there playing the video in slow motion, like I said, and Zach's like, let's go. You know, it looks like a good shot. Well, I hear the stick break, and I'm like, what the heck was that? And I look up, and I see nothing but white horns coming out of the marsh that I'm hunting next to. Like, I, it was like an oxbow, and I planned it exactly. I was like, he's going to come out of this oxbow, up into this acorn flat. There's a bunch of broke-off tops. Like, a storm went through there. Like, maybe two weeks prior, it looked like, because it was big oak trees that got snapped off, so there's tons of ground cover. It was thick, and you felt like he would be coming. Yeah, I was like, he's going to come out of this marsh and eat on these acorns. And it helped that I seen good sign right there. That's why I set up. I seen, like, three rubs on telephone-sized trees. Telephone pole was big. I was like, whoa. Really? Wow. So I set up, and... Anyways, I look up and I see this big freaking white rat coming. I'm like, whoa. I get stood up, you know, and I, I get the camera on him. And I basically filmed him walking in the whole way. And he walks in. And if you watch the video, it's funny because you can tell he taught me how to hunt because we both use a tree as cover when we draw. I don't know if you ever pay attention to that, but like when his buck walks behind a tree, you see him come to full draw. Right, when my, the when, the when my buck goes behind the tree, I pull back and I shoot him right through this big Y oak tree. It's a and the funny thing is I was going to set up in that tree, but I just didn't think I could get my stand on there and be comfortable with the camera arm. So that deer comes in in like 14 yards, and I just pinwheeled him right through his shoulders. And it was I was so literally cool. like – Cause you're deer, you can see him go down. All I could yell was "Let's go!" Like I'm like, "Let's go!" <laughs> yeah, the deer ain't fell, fell down yet. Right? Yeah, because no, like. Well, he was saying it as the deer's running away. I said it like 397 <laughs> times before. I heard, day. I heard him yelling from where I was at. Yeah, that poor, that poor night dude was just. If he, he was mad before. Uh, yeah. That was what the, oh, the icing fired, on top. Yeah. So, uh, Zach Monty had said it like all weekend that we were there. So that was just like the first thing that came to my mind, and now it's a famous saying because it was like the saying of that weekend was let's go and yeah yeah i told him we need when we get hoodies and stuff we need to have let's go <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 inside the group we all mock him every time he gets excited it's let's go and if, and if, don't, if, if he happens to not say it we say it for him yeah exactly. <laughs> so, so how far i watched that I'm deer sorry. i watched that deer fall if you guys you guys watch yeah, 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 yeah so i literally I was trying my best, and that right there was some footage that I was kind of upset about. At not the shot, but the after kill. I need to get better at following my deer, but I was so jacked yeah. up. Yeah, and Dude. to do it without so the pressure of your dad having just done it. I know um, I was. Worked I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I probably would just been done. Just, yeah, just yeah. hands up, like I'm, I'm done. Yeah, it's we did it. You yeah. know, I, it was, I was so fortunate when on my video because once I had the deer, I had it just set for where I thought I was going to get the shot, and it, it was fortunate as after I watched the video on a bigger screen computer, you can actually see the deer coming from like 25 yards away. Yeah, and then he crossed right through there, and as he ran away. You got him going to almost to where he fell down at. So right. you got some good footage of him. There was just a up. little little small hill, and he went on the other side. Of that and hill I fell. didn't even have to touch the camera once I had it set. <laughs> I mean, I got everything coming in, running away without touching the camera. That's probably why you see me just sitting there holding my bow, just watching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's in straight. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just pleased. Lord, let me kill this. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
how far apart were they? I mean, as far as time-wise? Uh, one hour. I went back. We thought it was 30 minutes, and I went back. Like you say, it's nice to go back and watch it, and I'll keep going through the uh, group. He loves reading the text messages. Oh, yeah. I just I, mean, I love reliving so cool. the moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I actually, when I shot mine after a couple of reading texts and stuff, I, I get a text from him. We just doubled up twice, and then it was exactly an hour after I shot mine. Yeah, on the dot. Oh, it was wow. Wow. like when I exactly went through and edited the film, it was exactly one hour on the dot from when the arrows were released. That's, wow. That's hey, insane. but talk about that phone call between you two. Yeah. Oh. I don't know how that happened, dude. Like, that's what really makes the whole video what it is. I yeah. think Man. like it was already cool, but he you, just so happened to be doing his post hunt interview and I call him. I got the, it was just, and yeah. I, I was like. Dude, we just doubled up. Like, we just doubled up, baby. Let's go. Like, as literally yeah. my words. There, was, there like, was two drastically different, like, responses. So he's already down. Like, his adrenaline is, is down. Yours is through the roof. Yeah. And then you tell him that, and he just. And he's mean, right meets me. He's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like an audio level. Like, <laughs> right. There's right. so much appreciation. Are, are you serious? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't yeah. even like that. It was like, oh. Are, are you serious? <laughs> and then it's the emotions just oh, whack. I was overwhelmed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. So much gratitude, right? And then also, you know, one, thanking God for the opportunity. Um, yeah, exactly. And then two, you know, I mean, what? You guys put in so much work and then it come together. Yeah, I mean, so like just three days, four days prior to that, I had, you can watch a video on, or on YouTube. It's called Michigan Public Land Madness. And I literally had... Like five or six different 120 class bucks in Michigan, dog and a red hot doe. So it was like God was giving me a signal to hunt red hot does in Indiana because we ended up going down there and that was what happened. But I had to leave deer and I was like, if you remember, I literally thought about staying home. I was like, I don't know if I can go to Indiana. Like I've got a red hot doe in this bedding area and there's every buck in the county is on her tail. Yeah, I think it actually in that video you were talking about that, how you were torn. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know how I can leave deer to yeah. find more deer because there's, I'm not joking you, like, I had just got done on Facebook Live and it was like, I heard a grunt, rat across the swamp and I'm like, I put my phone in my pocket and I'm listening, like, rat, 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 rat. I'm like, oh, that's a buck dog and a doe and I hear splash, splash, splash. And I, I can hear it just coming through the swamp fast and I'm like, holy smoke. So I get up and I'm like, Meh. and I'm like trying to get his attention to make him think there's another doe over here and there's a big, tall seven point. And he didn't even care. He was yeah. right on her tail, coming through the water, coming through everything. Just love drunk. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and so they go up into this bedding area. I'm like, man, I should have set up over there. And um, yeah. you get, you'd have to watch that video. But you about the, that. the next. Like, they're 10 yards from the tree. I was just. Yeah, <laughs> yesterday I just did an all day sit in that spot. <laughs> and I didn't see what one deer at noon. And then the next day it was like a light switch came on and it was like. Every buck in the county is right here right now, and I don't know. I literally set up where I seen that one deer cross the previous day. I was like, I'm going to go up there and move to where he is. And uh, <laughs> so after that buck dog, that doe by me, I had like seven different bucks show up. And one was like a 130 class, just big bully buck with a broken leg. He was like hobbling on three legs if you watch the video. And... Uh, I'm like, there's another buck. There's another buck. There's another buck. And I'm like, I'd be tagged out with both my Michigan tags if I sat in the same tree that I did yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I like, dude, I felt secondhand frustration. So I was that. literally going into the Indiana hunt. I was so frustrated at yeah. this point because I'm like, 
you that's how my whole season was with him even he had bucks 15 20 yards couldn't get a shot he got busted and like uh, at two different times early in the season i had like two six points within 15 yards sparring I got that end video. Yeah, hey, he used his Timber Ninja sticks. I did too. Like rattle. rattling horns. And <laughs> the same same morning I did that, I don't think the Timber Ninjas is what caused him to come in, but it might have got their attention a little bit. But I remember one of Spencer's favorite hunters growing up, his name was Mark June. Have you guys ever watched any of his stuff? Mm -mm. He's from not. like Battle Creek, Michigan. Yeah. He's an old timer though, like back in the the vhs days and it was just a hunt i always loved watching and he he wouldn't blow on a grunt call like most people do like brat 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 he'd like brat real long i mean just drag it out so i said just well uh, for the hell of it if something comes in it does it probably not going to so i did it i set my grunt call down as soon as i put my grunt call in my pocket from 15 yards and i think it was the same buck that busted spencer like 20 minutes prior he, he didn't smell him he just seen him i think yeah no he that buck winded me oh he did yeah he came from i went in this spot and i literally texted daryl i was like i'm throwing a hail mary tonight i'm gonna go set in the stupidest spot i can because whenever i send a good spot i keep getting stunned well he was a like, big body deer too and i'm literally like dude i've hunted the best spots i can i have all my shooter bucks like 15 20 yards away and i can't get a shot on them or they're just 20 yards past the wrong tree so i'm like i'm gonna go set up in the stupidest spot i can and he's like a lot of times that's when people end up killing deer 20 minutes after i'm set up bro i'm literally taking a nap because i know i'm in the stupidest open maple hardwoods there's no reason for a buck to be here and i'm like and i hear step 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 and i'm like Whoa. and i look behind me and coming out my downwind side from the parking lot is a shooter buck I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Down what is the chance? And on the from the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. The deer walk through the parking lot to come find your scent. I know. I'm like, what? Are you, what? Well, that's how I identified you once you got to here. Yeah. So I get off. I get my bow off the hook. I'm still falling asleep. I'm like, one eye open. I'm like, oh, I just got out of a good nap. Well, I get hooked up, and I'm like, turning. I get stood up, and I could have took a shot, but I wanted the good footage, so I wanted him to get into one more opening. And as he went through this little ditch. It was just a dried up ditch with like, you know, wet leaves in the bottom of it. And I think my thermals pulled down that ditch. I was just going to say that. I think they did. Because as soon as he went to go through the ditch, he like took off. And I know that I must have had a pocket of thermals sitting in that little damp leaf area. But yeah, it was. So all that frustration leading into that Indiana hunt just made everything so much more sweeter. Yeah, because you bring up how rough the season or how frustrating it had been, how many close encounters. Um, but yeah, if you, the, I'll tell you the, the best part of that video for me. So I have a, a five-year-old son is the phone call part, right? Like when, when Spencer calls you and you just kind of like, kind of break down a little bit, it's like for me as a father, like that's a, that, that whole situation is a, a dream come true to, to hopefully live for, for me. That's so, every father and son yeah. dream. I think <laughs> like, I don't even have kids and I'm like. I get emotional as the son. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine what that's like for my dad. Well, right. The, the thing that kind of stands out to me, why well, I think it made it a little extra special or something like that, because we had a couple of friends, a father and son, who doubled the same morning <laughs> here in Michigan. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that. And so that's why I was going into that's it. Awesome. That's why you hear me say, say in the video, I think we just did a Kyle and Louis Ketterberry. Yeah. Okay. You'll hear me yeah, say that in the yeah. video. That was referring to them. That happened uh, a couple of weeks before that. Yeah. So is that the first self-filmed deer you shoot? Uh, I think that I believe that was my third. Okay. 
Yeah. So, I, um, how are we doing on time, guys? It's about an hour. We got about an hour. Yeah. Got an hour left? No, no, no. no we're no, we're no, about an hour. We're in. hour in. All right. Just uh, I don't want to steamroll uh, with just storytelling. I want Spencer and Shannon to walk us through what y'all are looking for now, prepping for like the first two weeks of October. You guys cool with that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, it's your podcast. Right, remember, it's your guys' show. <laughs> yeah. So just I, I just I love tapping into these guys. Oh, yeah, I want. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning so much. So, um, my thing this year that I learned um, going into the season was just my first year. I can't talk all of a sudden. I got a little drunk off one beer. Yeah. But well, it says serious on it. Yeah, it's some serious beer. <laughs> and, and it's still heavy. Yeah. I just step on it, you know, just wet my whistle. But um, so I uh, I learned a lot with cell cameras this year, right? Like I my one camera that I, I don't know if you guys seen my Facebook Live the other day, mm-hmm. but I was going to go in and move it. And I ended up not doing that because I walked in and I got like 300 yards from where my camera was and there was um, rubs. There was fresh sign. And I was like, so what I'm getting to is I learned that I don't need to worry about getting velvet pictures so much when I put my cameras out so early because we put our cameras out in like July and we watched our deer grow. And then, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, it was super cool. But I put my camera on an exit route out of bedding. This whisk camera I'm talking about on an exit route out of bedding going to a bean field because those green, those beans were green and they were hammering them. And I, I wanted that instant gratification of getting a big buck on camera. But now look what I'm doing. Some beans are dried up. They're yellow. The deer don't want them. And I want to go in and move that camera into the acorns or on a backside exit route going to an alfalfa field because I know that every I've drove around in glass a couple times and every deer I see is in a green alfalfa field or a clover field or a hay field or anything, a cattle pasture. They're off the beans. I haven't seen a deer in beans and I don't know how there's long. There's no moisture. Exactly. Yeah. There's no green. And so that that was a that's a big learning curve for me. I just wanted to touch on that really quick was like, going into next year running cell cameras, I'm gonna make sure that I prepare myself for that October, that last week of September, that beginning of October inventory is what I care more about rather than getting awesome pictures all summer in velvet. Right. I just wanna to touch on that real quick. That was one of my kind of concerns going into it, placing him back in the bedding areas right now, like early in July and stuff. Well, we're not gonna get the pictures and stuff because they're up bedding closer toward the food. Yeah. But now that the food has gone dry and some of the pressure is hitting everybody scouting, the deer are changing their habits, they've shed, their hormones are changing. We're starting to get tons and tons more of hard horned bucks where we set the cameras, back in towards the bedding area. Yeah, right. which that's the only one. We might have one or two cameras I regret out of like 11 cell cameras we have out right now. And those were... Which is damn good. Yeah, I mean, I, our <laughs> odds have been phenomenal with them. But the one is an exit route to beans. I wish I'd have kept it in the timber or right in this bedding area. And that's where all our other ones are. And then there's one other one that... Uh, what, just, well? Yeah. It's well, just we found some good the, intel about that yeah, one too. I ended up going into a local bait shop, and the guy ended up owning the property that borders this spot. And this is where I rattled that buck in and called him in. And the, the week before that, I seen every bit of he was every bit of a 120, 125, eight point. He had like 10 inch tines at 40 yards, and so I just didn't have a shot at him. So that's why I moved in, and I seen where he came out. So I moved my stand about another. 25 yards closer to him so I could try to close that distance on him. Yeah, so I got some really good intel at that local bait shop from that guy, and he's like, them deer don't move back in there 
until October hits and when the leaves start falling. And, and, like, it, and as it's getting closer to that time, like that camera's been dry. It has. The only thing we've got is squirrels and birds. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, geez, oh, Pete's. Well, now as it's getting closer and the temperature's changing and all that, like we're getting deer on it daily now. And even some small bucks are starting to show up. But we know for a fact there's multiple well, shooters in well, that. Well, yeah, and I've seen them. That's why I know they're there. Plus, when we very first set the camera early in the spring when they were just nubbing, we had four or five, six bucks in there at a time. Yeah, and then they just disappeared once. They went to the food. But yeah, I would say I the property I hunt in Corona where I shot that buck last year, like this time of year, there's not really many bucks. I mean, there's a couple... But the first year, I was like, man, like, this kind of sucks. Like, there's nothing here. And then the second week of October, just as soon as they started to get a little bit, you know, um, itchy. That testosterone level yeah, was the roof. Yeah, I mean, we were, I mean, there were just bucks everywhere. And, in fact, we did not even close the deal. I had so many close encounters that year. Um, so, like, this year, I mean, I'm, I'm running – every bit of just does everywhere. I mean, just does, does, does. I got a decent eight, decent 10 um, that just showed up, but I didn't, I just not too concerned about it. Cause I know in about two weeks, uh, it'll be a different ball game. Yeah. Which yeah. is really good because I'm not going to really get to hunt effectively for the first two weeks. So I'm getting <laughs> surgery on the 28th of September. So oh boy. yeah. Um, they can just stay away for a minute until <laughs> yeah. I can climb up a tree. So. But to get to what Zach was yeah, really wanting to get into for. is... Tell me what you're looking for. So my opening day, I said this earlier in the podcast, but my, my ultimate goal is to get between the, the food and the bedding. Um, and I know that them deer, from what I've seen, are on green alfalfa. So there's an alfalfa field where this big giant nine-pointer is where we've got them. And um, there's a there's a... A north-facing slope there and it, his bedding area is on the leeward side of that hill and so I know that where he's gonna be bedding kind of got a really good idea on where he's gonna travel for his thermals and stuff and um, I'm gonna try getting on that side of that that leeward slope and try to get him coming in to j-hook into his bedding area and eat on oaks um, but that hill also has a lot of security cover low growth you know grown uh, it's it's not honey so I honestly don't know what the plan is but it's like it just opened the it's just low cover yeah so the, there's a lot of trees that have fallen in there so it's not only got that cover but when trees fall I learned this from habitat work is it opens up the canopy floor and then natural vegetation just grows through and it's like six foot tall but it's you can see through it but you can only see from here to that wall right so 15 18 yards and I'm going to get on that hillside and try to catch him coming back in from those alfalfa fields and go into his bedding area. But my ultimate goal early is acorns that are secluded, like not just an acorn flat that I don't think any guys are going to, acorn flats that have meaning. Like a lot of our pictures right now are 9, 10, 11 in the morning when these deer are coming back into their bedding areas and they're eating on these acorns in their bedding area. So like Oak Islands, this spot I call Maple Bottom Oaks. Um, there's two white oaks in this whole river bottom. So would you say lone oaks? Yeah. Not yeah. a cluster of oaks. <laughs> like a lone oak. Like a lone, one or a lone oak is money because right. it's not – then you don't have that guessing game of which oak tree are they going right. to. Right. So this spot just so happens to be all river bottom. It's all marshy, nasty, thick 
tall grass, sawgrass, and stuff like that. Some willow thickets. And then bam, a mature and oak. And then boom, right there's like right. five big maple trees and two oak trees. And those deer are on them like money right now. They need to chill out on eating them. I keep telling them every time they come into my camera, like, get out of there. Mm -hmm. You're going to eat up all those acorns. Yeah. There's only two acorn <laughs> trees there. You're going to spoil your palate on oak acorns. Yeah, like you need to save some. They're, don't, don't eat them all up off the ground. Like the funny thing is, is I didn't have very many pictures at all of deer in there. And then those white oaks started dropping like seven, eight days ago. And it's like a light switch came on. Those deer are on there. I can count. I bet a hundred hours right now that I'll have deer on that tonight, tomorrow morning, and tomorrow evening in daylight. Well, not tonight because it's dark. But yeah. that would be a good <laughs> bet. You guys should have slid in on that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've had daylight movement on that camera every day. So just oaks where they feel safe in their bedding area is going to be my my go-to for early October. Other than cutting that one buck off coming from the alfalfa field or going to that alfalfa field in security cover. So oaks close to bedding is yeah, my, that's that, my go-to. That's kind of what I was going to comment on. That's one, the big thing that we weren't last year and from the first years on hunting the single beds. Don't put so much focus primarily on the, on the single beds, but on the bedding area, the trails coming in and out of the bedding area whether it be the rut or early season, like a nice couple oak trees or a big oak right off the edge of the bedding. Because that buck, from his bedding area to that oak, he's only going to move so far before yep. it's completely dark. So I try to get as close to that bedding area. If I'm not on the bed, I try to be just inside the bedding area or just outside with uh, trying to uh, hunt on uh, the oaks and stuff. So my, my dad. I just wanted to say this too. It's like when Brandon and Spencer were doing the podcast the other day, and Spencer mentioned about how I'm a big acorn guy. And one of the fans said, oh, You ought to call him the acorn cruncher. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. But you, I'll, I'll, hear, you guys want to hear I'll, something I'll stick funny? With my dad on the way over here says, Don't you dare call me acorn no. cruncher. <laughs> <laughs> Can he call himself out? <laughs> I'm just letting you know. I'm, that's why I say AKA Pops. Yeah. yeah. He said, Do not call me acorn cruncher. Yeah. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call me. So, after, Pops. so you guys do that kind of strategy for the first couple weeks or yeah. when do you start to transition to a, a new strategy so the first week seven eight days i'm hunting my best spots first 10 days um i'm trying to get intel on if my bucks are there is the red hot sign even if i'm not seeing them are they laying down sign of telling me that they're in there and maybe i'm just hunting them wrong but signs such as uh fresh rubs big tracks big poo um scrapes scrapes can be if it, a scrape's got to be in the right spot so if i find a, a like dan says a, a scrape the size of this table in the middle of a hardwoods i'm not paying attention to it i don't even care because right. it's not in close correlation to bedding yeah and every every everybody's hitting that yeah they're just coming in there eating acorns scrapes, at night and so called, scraping right. it yeah so um scrapes in close correlation to bedding or multiple scrapes in close correlation to bedding whether right in or just outside of those are scrapes I'm going to pay attention to and look for right. with and big tracks in them. And the um, thing I want to say on that is the reason you're looking for it by the bedding, because like we were talking about, that's where he's more better chance of seeing him during daylight. Those big rubs and scrapes you see up by the fields and field edges, them are being made at night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I've, I have plenty of trail camera pictures to prove that, that simple fact right there. Yeah, so like uh, our first week I'm going to focus on getting into all my areas that I think are money. And just kind of going off the wind, I'll go bounce here, there, wherever I go, just playing the wind. Now, you got to remember also, like, 
I'm a big just off wind guy and my dad hates it. Like he, he don't, he don't really like, <laughs> I tried to explaining to him sometimes, like if you go in like this, it's going to work out. And then me and him always like, we have this problem with communicating wind. Um, sometimes we get it right on the money, but sometimes it's like, he's like, wait a minute, that don't make no sense to me. Like he looks at me like I'm stupid. And I just like, look, and I start getting out of the mat. But uh, I like hunting just off wind a lot because a perfect win for you isn't a perfect win for the buck, right? right? So he don't want the wind perfect for you. He wants the wind perfect for him. So you got to kind of get that happy medium of just off. Yeah, you got to walk that line. That, that fine line. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm going to spend my first week bouncing around, getting in my best areas and hunting very aggressive because once that, I don't believe in it, but the October lull hits, I'm going to start shooting does. Um, just to get my itchy trigger finger out of the way. But like I said, I want to get into all my best spots quick. And I'm not just going to hunt the fringes, as people say. I'm going to get in there and hunt the bedding. Because, Put yourself in the game. Yeah, you got to get in there and hunt aggressive hunt. the first hunts. Because your first hunt in an area, as we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. is your best hunt. So why not give yourself the best chance of shooting that buck in his bedding area? Yep. Uh, my, I, well, my I just dad, want to ask you, you a real quick question. Some Maybe some of the fans out there want to actually know what is your version of the October law compared to what do most so, people think it is. October law, a lot of people think that the deer just like fall off the face of the earth, just walk <laughs> off a cliff and are just gone. Yeah. And um, why, why do you think the reason most people think that? Um, the reason doing? being that people think that is because the deer movement range goes significantly downhill. It it I'm, changes. It's it's yeah. gone. They don't move as far. It's a proven fact. There's MSU. I've done a lot of reading on the MSU Deer Lab and stuff like that. Which is a uh, brilliant place to get some knowledge. Because they do wild deer, right? So the October law, deer do not move as far at all. They do not. Now, they might after dark, but that October 9th, 10th to like the 17th, 18th. Oh, 17th, yeah. There's that weird phase where you got to really get in there on them beds and kill them. So I'll go like one or two days in that phase and just get me a doe out of the way just to get my itchy trigger finger out of the way. But also those days that I'm doe hunting, if I get my doe out of the way, I'm going to dive right back into really deep into the bedding, like the extremely pressured bedding stuff, like even more so than my beginning spots, because those first couple of days of season, they're still going to be, they're pressured, but they're not as pressured. And then they move to their even more secure bedding, I feel like, in that lull. So do you ever believe that a deer is truly nocturnal? Um, No. I would say no. I don't, I don't, I think every deer is killable. I think it, I think, um, their movement just goes from a hundred so, yards to 30 yards. Yeah. So if you're not inside of that, then you're not close enough. No, you if gotta be seeing, right on top of them. If you're not seeing deer, you're not close enough or you're getting in on them. And right. I truly think I, I, I think I'm going to try it this year is Andre DeQuisto, the bump and dump. I think that that is going to be one of my tactics for that law. I'm going to intentionally blow bedding areas up and, and not necessarily my good bedding areas, but areas I know deer would bed in. And I'm going to try kicking bucks up and then getting in there three, four hours before daylight and try to kill him coming back into his bed or laying in his bed. <laughs> I, so, I just wanted to say sorry, Zach. Go ahead, yeah. But uh, on my version of the October law is I think a lot of us are not seeing deer because a lot of guys keep hunting the same tree, same yeah. tree, same area. 
Yeah. And the deer have patterned you. They go around mm -hmm. you. You may not even see them. Right. Yeah. And, but they're still moving in daylight. Yeah. I think that's a lot that's a, that's of... That's a huge issue that people experience on I have. Private. I hear these guys talking about it, and I've never really experienced it. I mean, once in a while, you'll go out a week, and okay, I didn't really see that many, but i still seen some. And you talk to some guys, and they don't see a deer for 10 days, two weeks. Which is amazing. Yeah, I think once I... As I've gotten a, uh, older and learned more things about hunting and how, you know, you can quickly overpressure an area. Uh, I, the October law seems to be much less effective depending on where I'm hunting. So like the one property, it's all field. Right now it's soybeans and corn. That two week window in October, I don't really spend a ton of time out there unless I'm trying to shoot a doe just because I know these deer at this point aren't coming where I can shoot them during daylight right, hours. Right, because you're on private land. Yeah, like we talked about, your chest match is not yeah. a chest match anymore because you can't, you can't right. do checkmate. You, yeah. you can't do it. So I got something for you. If that's the case, I challenge you this year to get onto some public yeah. and get into a march <laughs> during that October lull. Well, I, I should be able to, uh, I think at yes. that point, I should be cleared to uh, carry my, I got a brand new XOP stand that, for when I go down to Kansas, so nice. I need to get it, uh, I need to learn it, I guess. Well, yeah, a good way to, to break it, it in. Yeah, I, I challenge saying. you, Matt, to get in there and... Uh, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I don't even see if why you, I can't Even if you want to, dude, if you want to tag along, just... I'll set you up in a spot. I am there. not against learning how to hunt public land. So and my public land experience is a complete is Ohio, and then I'm going to be learning Kansas. So it's a lot different ball game. I'm than just saying, Michigan. my odds of putting other people on deer versus myself, you're got a pretty good chance. <laughs> <laughs> I put Kyle on a one one thirty seven his first hunt in Maple River last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll I'll settle for. I was telling Zach earlier before you showed up, if I. Public land in Michigan, my goal is a 100-inch deer or bigger. Well, you know? that's high standards, I'll tell you. Right yeah, I know. I know. I'll shoot an 80-inch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. If, a, if a nice, solid 80-inch buck comes by, though, this is my rule. So I used to live by the rule, and I still want to, as bad as I want to, is always shoot one bigger than what I killed the year before. That's like kind of been a thing. It's impossible. Dude, yeah. if a buck gets me excited, guess what? I'm a killer. Yeah. I'm killing you. Yeah. I, I, last year I shot that eight point, and I when I shot him, I thought he was a seven. Right. You I mean, know, because I was amped up. The dude come in just, bah, bah, eh, eh, <laughs> eh, and I was like, oh. Yeah, you know? I mean, look at Pops. I mean, you in that video, you got so excited, and you've been doing this so long. I oh mean, yes. I imagine that wasn't your biggest buck today. The one in Indiana. Yeah. Yes. It, oh, was? it was. Oh wow. Yeah, it was. But, that, wow. He's killed a lot of bucks in Michigan right on that hundred inch mark. But I just kind of real quick, then we'll get back to what Zach said. Uh, when you mentioned earlier about uh, when they uh, banned the baiting thing, that's when I started hunting acorns and stuff, finding the food sources more. And yeah. at that time, I actually, because I'd shot so many small bucks and stuff, I kind of challenged myself. I said, I ain't shooting nothing but an eight-pointer bigger. Yeah, that's and when I started private land, that's not hard because well, yeah. well, that and I started hunting the acorns, and when I started doing that, but by shooting all them little deer, the first ones that come in and stuff like that, I wouldn't see the bigger ones. Yeah, you mm -hmm. cut yourself short of the right. opportunity right. So to see So I'd start letting them little ones walk, and eventually I started seeing bigger deer and more deer because I wasn't hunting over bait anymore. Yeah, and you start learning things about deer, like deer attitude and deer stuff like that. I mean, that's where I learned a lot about how deer react to things. It's just by letting them go. Um, that That's 
probably one of the best things Body I've ever language. done. Yep. But to get back on point, what Zach was asking on our strategies and stuff, uh, the first uh, week I'm going to be on the acorns and on the edge of bedding areas, things, and as it progresses and into the law and just after the law, I'm going to start focus on uh, travel corridors in and out of bedding. I'm going to try to start getting closer towards more Pushing where the on. does are. Yeah. And, oh, and, after and, the law. Okay. Yeah, and then gotcha. start looking for the scrapes because uh, – some of the research we've been doing and things is uh, finding scrapes in or on the bedding area and getting uh, buck movement on those during daylight. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And sometimes that October 1st, October 2nd, right in that beginning of the season, or even in that lull, I say this for the whole first part of October when they're feeling that, that you know, we got just had the youth hunt, the early doe hunt. Them bucks are feeling pressured right now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that move that you're waiting for that buck to miss, you know, mess up on with, you know, you hunting the bedding, that could be him getting up, walking from here to that wall to get a drink out of a creek and coming back to his bed. And that little bit of movement is the only little bit of movement you're going to get in daylight. And you better be within range to shoot that far. That's what I've learned about bed I, hunting. I believe that statement right there describes perfectly the low. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what he's doing. He's getting up, maybe... You know, stretching his legs, stretching his legs, drink. getting a little nibble here, and then oh, walking gross. that far to get a, a creek or whatever it might be to get a little drink, and he's coming right to back to his bed until dark. And that little bit of movement is a lot of times. Andre DeQuista talks about that all the time. That's when he gets his shot at a buck. He says that's that little mistake that buck makes. That minute little mistake, walking from here to that wall to get a drink, and Andre's close enough to make a shot to that creek. Yeah, just so y'all know, that wall's 18 yards. Okay, well. That's 18 <laughs> yards out of his bed. I'm yeah. Just saying, you know, because these people ain't looking at you. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. Forget it. It's it's close. Yeah. You know, it's close. It's that close. Close quarters. You got to get up on top of them. We're sitting in a pole barn, so it's. Oh. You sure it's 18? You better get the range finder. It's. I think it's about 14. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, late season. I mean, once gun season hits, do you guys still hit public as hard, or? That's all we hunt. And we will, That's but it, we man. really, because uh, we have the boat, too, that will go up and down the river and get secluded areas. We really try to get back in away from all the pressure and where everybody's at, plus less chance of getting shot. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So. <laughs> Amen to that, dude. Late season's really hard, honestly, on public, especially after gun season hits. It, it's hard anywhere in Michigan, but. Um, I'm going to try focusing on different varieties of food this year, Um, like duck potato, the arrowhead plant that you hear the hunting public talk about a lot. Maple River is absolutely loaded with that stuff. I mean, not to throw a hunting spot out there, but (laughs) (laughs) Maple River is full of it if anybody's curious. I mean, but the thing about it is it's everywhere. You can't really pin them down. There's no one specific spot. You you can get off the boat at any given point in Maple River, and there's duck potato arrowhead everywhere so but deer dig them bulbs up late season like a sugar beet and right. eat them so yeah but well I that's mean, another so thing you if can, you can find a secluded food source that isn't super pressured which is almost impossible with today's mobile game uh last year i had a secluded cornfield that i found that nobody was on that was actually pretty dynamite Ooh, but yeah <laughs> i uh, it was just cut like a right in the middle of gun season so oh. Yeah, it was pretty. pretty. I'd have been also, just that. to call out like the duck potato. I mean, I think that would be sick to say that you shot a deer or a buck while he was digging, eating duck potato. That'd be pretty cool. Like what? 
Looks like gangster. I'll be of. honest. Most <laughs> people would have no idea. Like you said, duck potato, and I was like, what? And then you described what it looked like. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, now I get it. But it's the arrowhead. Play. Yeah. yeah, it looks like an arrowhead. Yeah, the leaf does. But so. where was like at? you? You mentioned duck the duck potato. Then Zach mentioned the jewelweed earlier. Well, he mentioned it, but well, yeah, you. I think you might have commented on it too, but on the jewelweed. Mm-hmm. But then some people that like you say, you know, you talk to and stuff is how deer will. Uh, prefer specific plants at certain times of the year yeah so every plant is different right, like they, they catch their palate and they do so like jewelweed is not touched right all the way through summer and then like september 10th 15th hits and they start tearing it apart and they'll eat it it grows five foot six foot tall and they'll eat it right down to the dirt and it grows in big patches like the size of this barn and that's all you'll find and then it's gone so it's like a slow growing species of plant but we found a patch in, in Indiana that was just huge. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was like a couple hundred yards big. And we put a camera on some really good trails going in and out of it. And we've got 100 pictures since. Oh, yeah, a couple a of nice bucks, a couple of nice bucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, they're he's, just he's trying to he's trying to be he's trying to hold it back. <laughs> After last year, pops is getting excited. Yeah, he's ready to go back to Indiana. He was ready to go back. Yeah, his fingers over there like this. Just look at it. <laughs> hey, he's like, uh, Lord, please let me shoot this deer. <laughs> but well, this year it's going to be Lord, please let us shoot the deer. Well, so Indiana's been really good to me. <laughs> I've killed, I've killed three big bucks in indiana it's been good to me i remember the first year i went there we went there and we actually got down there and we planned it and we were down there a week early hardly <laughs> find any rub. rubs me and him uh, walk like seven miles i think we found like two scrapes and four rubs and it wasn't anything impressive at Nothing. all it was like that's, stuff. that's always a good time when you spend all the money on that out-of-state tag all the gas the lodging and you get down there and you're like Shit, we're a week. Or, you know, we're either late we or late. Well, that's the thing. The next day we're in our stand or later that night, and Daryl, he shoots a big eight, like a 140 a inch eight <laughs> here in Michigan. I mean, they're hammering here. We packed up and said, we're yeah, we're going. Right. <laughs> yeah, we literally were there for two days and we're like, all right, we're leaving. <laughs> yeah. We were on a vacation. It worked out like it was uh, this year, it was hot in Michigan and it was hot down there. It's just the weather. I think if it would have been mm-hmm. cooler, we'd have been on them a lot sooner than we were. And um, we've got some really good spots that we're really anxious to get into down there this year. I've got a camera that's been soaking since. Dude, that was so cool you guys left it down there. The summer. Well, that one and another one. So I have another one in an oxbow that I'm ex- – We, I mean, when we left, oh, man. Man, there was just <laughs> giant rubs, and we never got in there to hunt it for whatever reason. Yeah, there was The wind rub. was never right. That's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, the wind was never right. The thermals would have been bad. So we're like, we'll leave that camera. Well, we hung that in the summer before we – you know, the first time we even went down there before we even hunted. Then we went down there October – what, like 10th in the law, yeah. I think. And then we, we didn't see much, and we came back, and then we went back for the rut and ended up shooting those bucks. Well, we haven't been back there since, like, a, two weeks ago when we went down to hang that cell camera. And we still – we pulled one camera that we had, but we still haven't been back to that oxbow. We got to float in with a canoe and grab that camera. So <laughs> that camera's just been sitting there. I'm I'm sure it's still there. It's pretty deep. and. Hopefully. The rubs are insane in there. Well, it sounds like you guys definitely have some uh, very good uh, bucks of chase. You guys have an enormous amount of knowledge uh, that you guys can share. Um, I, I'll be honest, I'm sure Joe feels the same. I'm sure 
maybe at the end of the season or something, we can get back together, get the whole crew together. Maybe we'll have some more mics then, and uh, we'll get everything set up. But you guys uh, are setting yourself up for a pretty good season. But I, I truly appreciate the fact that you guys took your time out to help us out and come on and share your knowledge and, and uh, everything else. Um, guys, you need to check out Public Land Prowlers. These guys are the real deal. They got plenty of YouTube videos literally explaining everything that they just talked about here. They've got great footage. Um, we'll link them into our Instagram and when we get our Facebook up, we'll put the actual hunt. Uh, I'll try to get the link of you and your dad that we talked about and try to link that on there too. Yeah. You yeah. guys got any handles to release? Uh, our, uh, our YouTube is just Public Land Prowlers. It's pretty simple. Uh, make sure you don't put publicly in Prowler because it will not come up. You got to put the S on the end. Um, our Instagram is publicly in Prowlers. We're working on getting that account back up. I mean, it's still there. You can still follow and check out some of our older posts. But we had some problems with Instagram. And then um, our Snapchat is publicly in Prowl. So it's public underscore land underscore Prowl. Um, I do a little bit of stuff on that, and then uh, I do. I have Marco Polo, but it's just my personal account. I don't know if you guys have seen that app, but it's pretty, I, dude, that is it's super, super cool. cool. Man, I talk to a lot of my beast buddies on that. So. Oh yeah, I'm like, under uh, Bow Hunter Chronicle. They have one. And, oh really? Yeah, and it's really really cool. Yeah, it's cool how you can do that. I, I'm gonna work on the Snapchat stuff this year, but I, one thing I want to say before we close out of here is that uh, you know we're not the best hunters in the world by any means. Like. My biggest deer is 122 inches, uh, green scored. So he's like 118 hard horn, like after he dried up. We're not out here calling, killing 140s. We're not out here killing 150s. You know, we're not the best hunters in the world, but we're getting better and we're learning just like all of you guys are that are listening to this. Don't get frustrated. I mean, it's okay to get frustrated, but don't give up. So um, that's something that I've personally struggled with very hard is like, man this public land stuff is not easy but that's i've learned i've grown to love it but that right? makes it yeah. so much more rewarding i've grown to love it when you have success. so don't give up don't i mean take our advice for what it is what we've been through the last three years this is our third year of bed hunting so going into our fourth and we've Ooh. killed more bucks now excited than, yeah we've killed more bucks in the last three years than we have in Probably seven. I think our first year we might have killed. Uh, actually, I don't even think we killed a buck our very first year filming as public land. And then the no. next year, Corey and Daryl both shot one, and that was like two bucks. And I shot that one in the rut. Yeah, yeah. and then that was that maybe a total of three. Then last year we killed like seven to uh, eight of them. Seven or eight, yeah. So we're getting better, you know. So just take this is, but take the advice for what it's worth and. You know, every hunter, me and Brandon talked about this the other night, is every hunter has to hunt the way that works for him. You can incorporate different tactics, but you're going to find your own little way of doing right. things. So, yeah. um, the only thing I really want to say is, like, you say that you see most people do on public land. You'll see a parking lot, and you'll see a trail going back. Try to use what them guys are doing to your advantage. Try to find a spot where you're on the back side of them or to the side where you're letting them Push put the, the pressure and to put uh push the deer to you perfect so yep again i just wanted to i just want to thank you guys a ton i mean you Thanks know we're having us we're yeah. just starting now and uh to have you guys on and to share the content you guys did 
uh, it, we truly appreciate it here at Generations to Hunt, and uh, we'd love to have you back sometime. Yeah, you guys got a good setup, man. Other people should definitely come check you guys out. And definitely. I encourage other guys to get on here and, and talk and, right. you know. And it's an absolute blast. It is. It is. <laughs> it's a lot easier. It is. It's a lot easier. It gets easier. I was, like, all nervous our first time. We're like, uh, like I said, I was telling these guys, we wrote, like, this page long, like, hey, this is what we're going to talk. We're going to Five minutes into it, our, our list was already gone. We're going, and then yeah. we just like flow and then you know you gotta get us that liquid yeah. that <laughs> liquid questionnaire yeah this this is actually my first ever podcast yeah, yeah. Well, you guys I, I had a, i had a great time yeah. all right that's awesome yeah you guys did great thanks yep. thanks a ton thanks for having us guys yep, yep. bye Later.